The following podcast contains assloads of spoilers. We here at Two Nerdskis in a Podcast are firm believers in preserving all the surprises of a genuine film viewing experience. And Bruce Willis was a ghost the whole time. Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ruby, ever dance with the devil in the bed? Inconceivable! Cowabunga! I thought this was a party! It's two Nerdskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. Okay, and welcome everyone to Two Nerdskis in a Podcast, the one show where two nerdskis come together and talk about everything pop culture and entertainment. As always, I'm one of your nerdskis, this is Eric, and welcome to another Saturday special here on the show, and it is the continuation of uh, last Saturday special, which is the talk, the talk about uh, the Marvel Cinematic TV shows, Marvel Cinematic Universe TV shows, here on... Uh, on Disney Plus, and uh, we started off with WandaVision, and uh, uh, that was a great discussion. Um, and yes, we brought back Reese for that one because Jeff wasn't like watching those shows, but um, it was totally fine, totally fine. But um, Reese and I had a really great discussion on WandaVision, and then we just went right into Falcon and Winter Soldier after that. And I'm like, there is no way in hell I'm going to upload that entire conversation all at once. So um, here it is the rest of that conversation now into Falcon and Winter Soldier. And um, this is probably the first time you'll probably ever hear me go political or whatnot. Um, but anyways, um, please enjoy this fine special of Two Nerdskies in a Podcast on this lovely Saturday. And enjoy, everybody. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Excuse me. Sure, man. So, moving on to the other Marvel Netflix. I was about to say Marvel Netflix. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really, I, I, dude, I miss the Marvel Netflix shows. I'm, I was really sad when those shows got canceled. Um, mm-hmm. especially Daredevil, especially Daredevil. I, I fu- mean, it was the only, only one of those shows where I think every season, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I have yet to watch season three. You still haven't watched Daredevil season three. I think the reason I'm why shocked. I haven't, I think the reason I, I was gonna, I, I was gonna start watching it and then I found out they canceled it, the show. And I'm like, I have this thing where I kind of refuse to watch shows that are canceled on, you got, especially because oh I think you it, gotta watch, because I think it ends on season three. Does it end it's, on a cliff? I know it, I know it ends on a way where I'm told, I know it ends on a way where it, it leaves it open for like, this is probably yeah. the end, but like, it's, but also, they reveal a possible cliffhanger, so I'm like, fuck. Cliffhanger, it's not really a cliffhanger. It's more, it's like the first example you give, where it's more of, like, open-ended. The show, it mostly concludes, however, there is a post-credits scene with um, Bullseye surviving the final encounter. I heard getting, he was in the show. And he's getting and I, surgery. I heard he was in the show, and... Um, he's so I heard he good was, in like, this show. Oh my god. Like, like no, like no disrespects to Daredevil two thousand three because that's like a guilty pleasure of mine. But like, man, this is Daredevil season three. Netflix is like, that's that's the real bullseye. You know what? If we are, if you and I are going to cover that show, I will 
probably watch season three. I will have to watch season three. I'm absolutely sorry. All right, then. So you've heard it here, folks. (laughs) Reese and I will definitely talk about Daredevil at some point in the future because that is probably the best Marvel show ever made. Um, And I put my stamp on that. Yes! What are your... What what are your um actually you know what no we don't need to talk about Daredevil Let, let's go on we'll to, to we'll get to that we'll get to Falcon that. so anyways or so fa- or as it's called now Captain America and the Winter Soldier spoilers well then again we spoiled the fuck <laughs> out of WandaVision so what the fuck do I know <laughs> um but anyways yeah Falcon and Winter Soldier was an interesting beast so basically the overall theme for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Is there a shorter way to fucking call that show? <laughs> a nickname to call it? Just call it Sam. Here, Sam and Bucky. I, I, just, the you Sam can just and call Bucky it Falcon. Show. Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me. Of, I that reminds me of. Uh, so Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie were on a. We're on like this comedy show on this web show on Comedy Central's YouTube site or YouTube channel, and uh, I think I saw that clip. <laughs> Stir crazy with Josh Horowitz, and not only did yeah, they, yeah, not only yeah. did they text each other and figuring out. Like who would reply back to Chris? Who Chris Evans would reply back first? The guy asked him, "Like, hey, have you guys figured out what nicknames you would call for your male genitalia?" Like, and they were like, "Winter Soldier." It's like something about ice and water doesn't really mix. But Sebastian <laughs> Stan was just like, "However, you ready for the Falcon?" <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, and so here is a nice little segue into Falcon and Winter Soldier, but um. So the sh- this was probably this definitely dived into a lot of more real kind of tones, if that makes any sense, because this show got real deep, real fast, in my opinion. But essentially, the theme of this show is uh, legacy and the burden it comes with carrying that legacy and also societal would it be fair to say societal racism is a part of this? Because I definitely feel like yeah, it definitely it, it definitely play it. It's a pretty overarching theme throughout this show, or at least, or at least if not racism, then prejudice. Although racism definitely plays a role for I would agree um, a couple of the characters. So anyway, so ba- basically how this starts out is so Sam, so it takes place six months after Endgame, um, whereas WandaVision took place what three weeks after Endgame, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, but I don't. I don't know the exact time. Well, I know I they know both it's... take place after Endgame, which makes sense. But yeah. here, essentially, what happened is well, they also take place before Spider-Man: Far From Home. But um, it, so six months after Endgame, after uh, after elderly after Steve Rogers went back in time to return the stones, and then he spent his time with Peggy because, uh, come on, man, it's Peggy Carter. Also, um, Haley Atwell. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, she's like wife material. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Very true. 100%. Um, so, so Steve, so an elderly Steve has basically repaired the shield in that time. Um, or at least created a new version of the shield and he passes it on to Sam, which is Steve's way of showing that he wants Sam to carry on the mantle, but, Sam feels that he's not up to the task, so he passes it on to the Smithsonian, who that's created an exhibit for Steve, or just Captain America in general. And then, of course, you have Bucky trying to figure, trying to make amends for his past because of all the sins he did as the Winter Soldier. There's a really 
in the first episode, there's a really, um, you can see how tortured he is because he's friends with an old, with this old man who he, whose son was killed by the winter soldier. Um, and he, he, he's, he wants to tell him, but he's just, he's afraid that he's just so terrified to do it. Um, he wears gloves because he's insecure about himself. He, he hides wearing his uh, vibranium arm that the Wakandans gave him. Um, and so in the meantime, you have a group called the Flag Smashers who believe that life was better during the, the five year gap um, between the snap and the blip. Um, and so they have super soul. They have super soldier serums in them. And this and their leader is Carly Morgenthau, who is actually a dude in the original comics. It wasn't a, it wasn't an organization. It was just one guy called the Flag Smasher and he was named Carl Morgenthau. He, he hated countries and governments, if that makes any sense. And so the government basically shits on Captain America's legacy and gives the shield to a guy named John Walker, who um, is played, by the way, so Wyatt Russell, um, I feel so bad for him because he, he had, a obviously, you know, he's not trying to be, he's, he's trying to be his own character, but you know, the internet can't tell the fucking difference between a character and an actor. It happened to Kelly Marie Tran as Rose. It happened to Daisy Ridley as Ray. It happened to, sh- and it even happened to Elizabeth Olsen because, um, well, that was different. But Elizabeth Olsen was basically like had to turn, had to run away from social media because the internet demanded that she say something about Chadwick Boseman's death. And she, you know, obviously people handle grief in their own way. But fuck, guys, come on, stop, stop doing this it's it's pretty sickening in my opinion but uh that's neither here nor there but yeah so why uh wyatt russell by the way um i didn't even know why it was uh chased off social media i didn't know he was oh yeah like, he was by the way do you do you know who his father is yeah yeah kurt russell all right so his father is ego of the planet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also his father is fucking snake plissken and escape from new york is like one of the who is who a solid snake is based off of i know in the um, your games by the way i would just like to say right now captain america and the winter soldier is the closest thing we'll get to metal gear solid until an actual metal gear solid game comes out or movie comes out i i'd say that's still pretty far off from metal gear metal gear Solid. which hey you know what uh john voight roberts you know good luck <laughs> i know you got a you got a lot of you get a lot that's of weight my to absolute carry. favorite <laughs> video game franchise and um i um, I, I hope they do that game justice. I mean, um, as of this he's, record, he's interviewed, this... um, he's interviewed Kojima a few times. You can view them online. So he definitely at the very, at the very least, I trust him in the sense that he clearly has a huge amount of respect and reverence for, um, you know, that mm-hmm. source material. So remind me to ask you about another video game movie later, but okay. But one um... that starts with an M that might've released recently. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but anyways. Okay, but I was just gonna say, like, I've seen, I've seen it, and me and Jeff are, um, as of this recording, me and Jeff are going to record that episode later this week, and it Ooh. will drop, and it will drop later, um, on April thirtieth. So, uh, but by the time this comes out, it will probably have already released. So, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> um, so anyway, so yeah, they give uh, the U.S. government gives the sh- gives Cap Shield to John Walker. They call him the new Captain America, basically um, pissing off, not pissing off a lot of people, mainly not just not just uh, us, the viewers, but 
Um, by the way, I think John Walker has one of the best arcs I've ever seen for a character. And actually, John Walker is one of my all time is now one of my favorite MCU characters as a result. Um, but so basically, um, in the meantime, Sam and Bucky, they're going to go try and stop the Flag Smashers. And all the while they all the while Sam learns about the other Captain America named Isaiah Bradley, a black man who was who was given the super soldier serum in the 50s. But um, be, because of who he is, he was in prison for 50, 30 years. And there's just so much shit that, that that went on with him. And basically, I don't blame Isaiah Bradley for being fucked over by the government because come on, seriously, <laughs> what the serious fuck but i mean also sam is dealing with a lot of family drama his sister runs the runs like a fishing uh business um and he's trying to keep that together and and then uh, and then like he and bucky are at odds because bucky feels that sam betrayed steve by giving away the shield um and so in order to try and figure out what's going on with the flag smashers they bring in uh, fan favorite villain Zemo back and uh, Daniel Bruhl uh, was such a delight to see back in the role because like aside from Thanos he is the only human he is the only other character of the entire MCU to actually destroy the Avengers um, he he divided them and then Thanos killed half of them <laughs> it's it's pretty fucking crazy and he's only human too and so Zemo accompany, helps the two out on trying to figure out what's going on, like any leads. Uh, they he reunite. did it without throwing a single punch, too. Yeah, that too. And he also, um, they also reunite with Sharon Carter, who's been on the run from uh, the U.S. government ever since she helped Cap escape, from, or Steve and the rest escape from the Sokovia Accords. And uh, apparently she died during the snap, but she's come back because of the blip. And um, by the way, I have quite a few things to say about Sharon later on. But um, so they figure so they figure out that Super Soldier Serum was recreated, and then they get they, and they go to uh, they go back to Europe to, to try and find uh, Carly Morgenthau. Unfortunately, um, the Dora Milaje is it the Mo- Dora Milaje? Yeah, the Dora Milaje yeah. show up. And uh, they demand Zemo because, you know, Zemo is responsible for T'Chaka's death, uh, Black Panther. I mean, yeah, T'Challa's father's death. Um, and so they try. And so um, in the midst of things, in the midst of a dispute between um, John Walker and the Dora Milaje, of course, uh, Zemo escapes. But later he is recaptured by uh, Bucky in a pretty... In a pretty awesome fashion, I'm not going to lie. Um, and then, of course, you find out that, like, um, so Zemo destroys all of Carly's, like, super soldier serum uh, supply except for one, and it's taken by John Walker, and he gets the super soldier serum. And there is a reason why Stanley Tucci's uh, Dr. Erskine said that Steve said that like only certain people should be given the serum because the serum basically amplifies everything, not just physically, but mentally. And at this point, of course, John Walker has gone a little cuckoo and um, it has it driven him a little bit over the edge. His partner gets killed by Morgenthau and he kills a member of the Flag Smashers while everyone's watching. And he uses the fucking shield to do it, basically tainting 
the legacy of Captain America uh, and the ensuing what fight. What a final shot of that episode. Just I know. Say. It's pretty... That is the episode that made me love John Walker from, yeah, he, that's that's the episode that made me love John Walker immediately. As a result, like Sam, Buck, Sam and Bucky fight John over for the shield. Uh, Sam's wings get destroyed, but he gets the shield back. John Walker is stripped of his title and whatnot. Um, and then fucking Julia Louis-Dreyfus shows up as Contessa uh, Valentina Arregla de Fontaine. Um, who is an actual character from the comics. She is essentially a former lover slash ally of Nick Fury. And in the comics, she's later Madam Hydra. Um, I can go and I can elaborate on that later. But I remember when I first saw him, like, Elaine? <laughs> I'm just thinking of Jared. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Jared, like, Elaine, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, where's uh, Jerry and Georgia flanking her? What's like? the deal with Elaine doing this? <laughs> and so, so Sam, uh, Sam. With Kramer learns... just busting into a door off screen, just like <laughs> sliding, sliding into frame, just all jittery. <laughs> and then, so, Jerry, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> Jerry, you're not going to believe this. Elaine is in, Elaine became a government agent. <laughs> And so and the episode just ends with the Seinfeld theme. <laughs> I actually, I was thinking of the Seinfeld theme as she walked in. <laughs> so Sam, Sam, I'm actually uh, surprised that WandaVision didn't mention uh reference Seinfeld now of all things. Anyways, go yeah, on. I, no, I, you know what? I'm, I'm surprised too, but yeah, Sam takes back the shield. He learns to accept what it is to be captain america he meets with isaiah and isaiah tells him they will never accept a black man as captain america and sam decides um hold my beer um and he trains with the shield and he and he also gets a nice little spiffy little suit and i'm just thinking like i'm just thinking of pulp fiction he's like what's in the yeah, suit dude, yes, i was thinking the same thing when, when at the end also, of that episode i was also thinking of the movie seven where brad pitt's like what's in the box what's in the fucking box the only the only thing missing from the suitcase was like the uh the glowing aurora <laughs> like as he opens it that's the only thing that was missing uh <laughs> so all this time too uh so carly morgenthau she's going to inter- she's going to interrupt the grc which is like the lead government body in the show i guess or whatnot and she's aided by Bachocla Lipa, played by uh, played by George Saint Pierre, former MMA champion. Um, and George Saint Pierre, he's the fucking real deal, by the way. I've seen his fights, and um, I still one of my favorite fights in all the MCU is still when uh, Batroc when Cap fought Batroc <laughs> in um, Winter Soldier. That was a pretty fucking great fight, especially when he's like, "I thought you were more than a shield." And then Cap just drops his helmet, puts the shield away. He's like, au revoir, we'll see. And just proceeds to just whoop his ass. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great fight. Um, so Sam goes to stop uh, Morgenthau. Unfortunately, Morgenthau dies by Sharon's hand. And you find out that Sharon is shitting on her aunt's legacy by becoming the power broker, apparently. This powerful crime lord or black arms dealer or whatnot. And, um, and, uh, I'm, I'm pissed off about that. Sam gives this like incredible speech, um, about like, um, about, 
essentially he does what the po- what what the flag smashers were doing for months in like a minute or two telling the GRC to basically like you do not want a Carly 2.0 and like he he says to them that like look I know I'm not I know I'm a black man wearing um the stars and stripes I'm already getting hate as it is but you know I'm doing this without a shield I mean I'm doing this without a super soldier serum I'm not blonde haired or blue eyed I'm not what America wants me to look like but I'm doing it anyway because it's the right thing to do um and so he he's able to get he's able to get them to change their minds and allow for everyone to live kumbaya and happy ever after or whatnot and then you get to and then um zemo has the last laugh and kills has his butler kill off the rest of the flag smashers um and then and then uh john walker becomes the u.s agent um as he should be and he gets essentially a black version of a black version of his uniform, red and which white looks stripes. absolutely badass. I gotta say, I, I like that I like costume. that suit. I'm just like, where the fuck is his shield though? He needs a shield. Um, <laughs> and then of course, and then of course, uh, Sharon, she somehow gets back into the CIA, and she's like, well, super soldiers are off the table, but I can sell you some government secrets. And I, I, there was one thing that I felt was missing from the overall show, and that was at the end where like maybe Sam gets a call from someone. He's like, he gets a phone call. It's like, hello, you did good, Sam. You did good. And it turns out to be a voice cameo from Chris Evans as old Steve. That would have been fucking great, but you know, that didn't happen and I'm okay with that. But well, it's implied that like Steve passes away from old age, right? It's never really explicitly stated if he did or not. It's hinted. It's never explicitly stated, but like it's a, but like it, People it's hinted that he may if... have passed away, but it's also hinted that he may still be alive. They just they don't really say because it, in the end, it's not really important. What's more important is even though he's not in the show and as much as we love Steve Rogers, Steve still has a giant presence throughout the entire show. Like his yeah. presence is felt this whole entire time um, because Sam's trying to live up to Steve's legacy. He's trying to undo the mistakes of Isaiah's of Isaiah's time. And he's also trying to um, prove wrong, prove wrong that you don't need to be someone like John Walker to be Captain America. You know, you just need to be as Erskine put it, not a perfect soldier, but a good man. And uh, we also, and also Bucky um, finally mends his like ways. Um, Oh, mends his ways. He basically um, he learns to forgive truth. himself and tells the truth to the old to the old man um, and whatnot, and all his victims. And he finds peace. And so, um, this was definitely so of the two shows so far. This actually might be my favorite of the two, just because I agree. This, just because this is more. This is because it's just more my speed or whatnot. It's a little bit more action orientated. That's not to say WandaVision had its moments because I, I enjoyed WandaVision. I liked it quite a bit, but I found Falcon I, and Winter Soldier. I like these stories quite a bit where it's like I like stories of like, can I am I am I worthy of living up to this legacy? Is it like, can I be can I do this? I mean, Steve had these same exact kind of thoughts, too, when he was like, am I capable of trying to do the right thing? or whatnot and 
like can i like he knows he he knows his heart's in the right place but like is he capable of doing it and that, that's one thing i really loved about that's the one thing i really loved about winter soldier is that he's he's he comes from an era of black and black and white and he's dealing with very gray areas and also he has this inner conflict of like of where he stands in life and he his resolute isn't really there it's only when hydra comes back out of the woodwork and they and they have basically and he finds out that they've turned his best friend into an assassin and a murderer they he finds the will to like fight on and do what's right and be captain america all again and that it, it's a great plot um to say the least but here i liked how both sam and bucky are basically living in steve's shadow and how they're trying to you know learn to live in a world without steve and especially try to be worthy it's a, it's a journey about legacy. individualization exactly exactly and you know john walker he's you know he says you know i'm not trying to be steve but he's also just a complete he's also very arrogant as a character and that's one that's one mm-hmm. reason why i like him a lot that's what separates him he's a great i wouldn't say he's a villain but he's a really great anti-hero if that makes any sense yeah yeah, yeah i would agree yeah and then um we did get to see we did get to see Rhodey actually show up. Don Cheadle as a, not as War Machine, but just as James Rhodes. He shows up in the first episode telling Sam, like, you know, they need someone like you, you know, to carry on Steve's life. Not just to carry on Steve's legacy, but you are, you could be, you you mean a lot to the world or whatnot. And, and he, he, was basi- he was basically there as the audience to say, like, hey, I don't know about that one, Chief. <laughs> Yeah, like you should you should carry on Steve's legacy. And essentially Bucky had the same sentiments too about that as well, but um yeah, it it, it gets pretty it gets pretty convoluted there. Um overall overall um also Sharon Carter I I heard I knew about the theories about her being the power broker. I didn't want to believe him because her aunt is Peggy Carter and the Carter name is meant to be a name of good people. So when Sharon, when it turns out that Sharon is a complete, a complete manipulative bitch this entire time, I'm like, Oh, what did the, what happened, Sharon? What happened? I got, I got so frustrated, but like, I actually, but I, but also I actually didn't understand why she did all this. Like, because the U S government screwed her over. You know, yeah, it was funny because we were talking about metal. We were talking about Metal Gear earlier, and honestly, like Sharon's backstory reminds me so much of Big Boss and how he's basically, you know, someone who like lives and dies by the and kind kind of John Walker also to agree. Someone who is like, you know, his entire life he's trained to be this weapon, this tool for the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. You then, made me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then you know, due to events that like, you know, question his motives and where he learns, you know, people's Mm -hmm. intentions and the truth. And it ends up carving him into both Sharon as well as John Walker into sympathetic, but ultimately, you know, going down divergent pathways, Mm -hmm. which doesn't, and it's not, and it's not necessarily like, oh, well, they're, they're the villains or, or the, u.s governor or the senator i guess in this case is a good guy like no they're it's all it's all pretty 
it's it's neither it's neither good nor, good nor bad it's not you know we use the term gray area a lot and i think that this show really explores that oh absolutely this show i mean it's not everything well life if you go through life thinking that it's black and white that's kind of that's kind of i wouldn't say hypocritical or whatnot but it's just life is very much i think there's some things that are black and white but i mean most. well yeah there are some there are some there are definitely some things that are black and white but i guess going through life for me there are too many things that are also too gray if that makes any sense like there's a there are so many moments in life that turn out that like have these gray areas in them and that's and i feel life is a gray life is very gray because there are just so many things that like that aren't just absolutely black and white if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. or and even beyond that there's like maybe other stuff you know going go you know going back to uh, other marvel movies like thanos I think I mean I think Thanos's actions are clearly like in the wrong. I don't think that's a morally gray. But you area. clearly very, understand very why clear he wrong. did it. Yeah, exactly. But you can understand his motivations and why. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I get why you're doing that. You're still wrong, and we still have to stop you at all costs. But I, but like, I get why you came to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. I get why you're on this path that you're on now. The same can wrong. be the same can be said. So one of the big, I would say, one of the major flaws are unfortunately Carly and the flag smashers. Like you can Ooh, understand. I, I think you I can think understand yeah. why they're doing the, why they're doing everything. They, why they're doing everything. It's just that they're not great antagonists. If that makes any sense, they're only there to move the story along and to give a reason as to, I actually why... wrote a lot of notes regarding the flag smashers. <laughs> I, I've watched the show three times now and like, <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, let's hear it then. So, so I think, so from what I understand, and I haven't done too much research on this, but apparently, apparently there was a lot of re, uh, reshoots done for the plot because apparently there was like some sort of chemical gas attack that was originally planned for the episode. But then, you know, after the pandemic happened, I guess Marvel didn't want to do that for the show. And so they decided to do a bunch of research. And it probably would have been too re- reshoots, real. not research. Yeah. My bad, but it they probably did, would they have been too. Re- yeah. Too real. Yeah. Too so they decided. So I guess they decided to rewrite, rewrite, recut and redo a lot of mm-hmm. um, the flag smashers stuff. And so I think that has to do with a lot of why that feels, you know, their whole arc feels unsatisfying, I guess, if I could find a word for it. No, that's a good, but, that's a good answer. But beyond that, I think the ultimate crux of what, of what it comes down to, because I, I really didn't get what the point of them was up until the final episode. When Sam of all people is giving the monologue, when he described, you know, cause they're talking, I've heard, that, I've heard that criticism too. <laughs> cause cool. Well, cause Sam is talking about how like, you know, or he and the Senator, I can't remember the Senator's name. Who gives a shit talk- what the Senator's name is? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bearded old guy. Um, they're, you know, they're talking. <laughs> Bearded so, like, old white guy, Senator. <laughs> so they're talking to each other like, oh, after, after the, after the blip, people, you know, people who weren't, you know, people who are homeless, who didn't have homes, were moving into these homes that were once occupied by these people, which doesn't really make sense because we already have tons of abandoned homes as it is that are unpopulated but that's that's neither that's neither here nor there that's we'll we'll tackle this from the show's perspective well that it does does remind me it does remind me of like 
this line actually from Far From Home of all things, where Aunt May was like, "I remember I wasn't here, and then five, and the next thing I know, I'm back in my apartment, and there's a family living in there." I do not remember that line, but I, I guess that was just me then. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, and so there's there's like um, I can I can understand Carly's point of view from there, like oh. And because, and you know, from her perspective, like, oh, the government is putting all these resources into, you know, helping out all these people who've just now reappeared. But at the same time, we just got kicked out of our homes. We're homeless. We're not getting any, you know, us who were here who, you know, the government like never tried, tried to help us. They never gave us any, any resources during, you know, this apocalyptic event. And we're just here to fend for ourselves. And so... The, but the problem is we never actually get to see that in action throughout the show. We see like people that are sympathetic to the cause that are housing them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you know, we never actually have to see the, we never actually get to see through. the GRC forcibly remove people. Yeah. We only see the, the, the aftermath. Closest, yeah. The closest we really get to is that we see um, Carly's mom die and we see the funeral after, but mm-hmm. even then that's still the aftermath of another situation. I think it would have been a lot more impactful to like, you know, as you mentioned, like see them actually getting forcefully removed from from their houses to see them, you know, try to apply for for benefits and get redacted, kind of like what they did with Sam, actually, when he's applying for the bank loan. Yeah, yeah, that that's actually a pretty good point, because like in that because even with Sam's status as a well-known figure in society, as an Avenger, one of the many heroes that saved the planet from Thanos, um, he is rejected because of statutes and limitations set because of the GRC and because of what, because of like all these people that, because of all these actions that happened. So you don't, as a result, he's not able to able, he's not able to support his, his sister, Sarah. He's not able to uh, provide for, be there for her as much. And so that's why there's this friction between them, um, which is what, but of course, you know they're they're loving they're a loving brother and sister so of course things go well in the end but Mm -hmm. but that of course going back to your point that is a pretty good point in terms of how that's an illusion like you could have definitely it would have been nice to have it kind of doesn't it's kind of not fair then to show sam's side and then not show any reasons for the flag smashers to actually do what they do you only just see them do it of the fact you don't really see them do it because you didn't see a scene of the GRC forcing people out of their homes. If that makes any sense. Yeah, exactly. And, and even with that little information that you have, that's at the, that's at the very end of the show after they've all been defeated. Mm. Carly's dead at this point. Yeah. So because you never, you never have this context while they are mm. the main antagonist while they're at the forefront. There's a thought I had actually about Carly um after rewatching the, at least the finale and i was like i wonder because you you learned that like she was in she came to madripoor sharon took her in basically gave her the super soldier serum and she's like why don't you come back home and carly's like just to be your little toy soldier or whatnot and but like actually if i think if you really think about this i don't know if you had the same thought as me but i wonder if Sher- some of sharon's ideologies left an impression on Carly because again, Sharon was basically disavowed by her own government. 
was being hunted by her own government. She became disillusioned with the U.S. and how they treated her. And as a result, maybe some of her ideals were passed on to Carly. And that probably just, to a degree. And that helped to that helped to feed the fire that Carly was feeling against the GRC and how they basically forced her out of her forced her out of her um home and giving her reason to, you know, stay nationless and be one people, one world. But um so no offense to Aaron Kellyman, but um I found her character her I found her performance a little wooden, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it wasn't, she didn't have that emotion. She didn't have that emotional, she didn't ooze charisma and charm like fucking Anthony Mackie does. Because Anthony Mackie, by the way, this is some of the best acting I've seen from Anthony Mackie in any MCU project. And I'm really glad he gets a chance to shine in the MCU uh, finally. Same with Bucky, although I feel like Bucky doesn't get much to. Honestly, Bucky really doesn't get much to do. He's kind of sidelined for Sam's story, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're I mean, if we're talking just like pure raw charisma, like if I personally have to give that to Daniel Brawl, he is a steam sealer. <laughs> I will, you know, every what? time he is on screen. That. But I would say between the two, <laughs> between the two opposite forces, I'm saying Sam has more charisma and charm. And he's also the one character who truly does understand why Carly is doing what she does. He just doesn't agree with the methods yeah. going about it. But yes, going on to Zemo himself. Um, by the way, so you, you, me, and Jeff, we spent about half the running time of the Snyder Cut talking about how it took the Snyder Cut. How many years for that movie to be like four years for that movie to be made? It only took maybe three days for an extended dancing cut of yes released. <laughs> by the, the way one hour Zemo. by the way um i like the music that they used for that one hour cut and uh i i found myself listening or at least put putting that video on the background as i was as i was playing the avengers game i'm like this is fucking awesome <laughs> side note um i actually like the i know that that game gets a bad rep but like i like the avengers game fight me I haven't played it. I just make memes. <laughs> give it honestly. Give it if you're gonna get it though. Get it for PlayStation because um, that way you get Spider Man. By the way, yeah. when the fuck are they gonna reveal Spider Man? I know they reveal that Spider Man's an exclusive PlayStation character, but come on, guys, we need to see some more shit about it already. You already showed. You finally showed Black Panther finally, and at at least I will say this much: they've definitely gotten better. Um, I feel like. With their gameplay and whatnot. And also, um, all DLC characters are free. So that's that's also a plus. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, Zemo, Zemo, I never, I, I'm glad that Zemo came back. And also, because I know in the original, obviously in Civil War, Zemo is a, is a Sokovian soldier who obviously hates superheroes and absolutely Hydra for destroying his, destroying Sokovia and for killing his family. And so um, it was so nice to see him be, be a little bit more charismatic and charmful for a change. And also um, apparently they kept his comic book. um, They kept his comic book uh, origins intact and that he is a Baron. He actually has money. He has a Butler who is Butler, by the way, 
is killed also off an assassin. The, <laughs> yeah, killed off the Flax Masters in the very end too. Um, and uh, he, he has a he has a plane. He's got he actually has a nice little action moment too, where like when they're running away from assassins in Madripoor or bounty hunters in Madripoor, he put he brief he puts on that mask finally, and that's the only time he ever puts on that purple mask. And he just like it was, goes it was to, totally totally fan service. It was totally fan service, but fuck it, it was great. I enjoyed it. Was that al- moment. It was also a clever way to use um, a stunt double for Daniel because obviously, like, <laughs> no, no, seriously, no, no seriously, I, I agree, I agree. Because Daniel Brawl, you know, um, obviously, you know, you know, he's not a stunt man. That's not what he. That's not what he does. But you put the mask in. Yeah, it's an easy way to put in a stunt double so that you can have you know some kick ass action scenes. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a fun way to get around that. I liked how they explored Zemo quite a bit. He has some. He does actually. What I like about Zemo is that he actually question. He makes Sam and Bucky question a lot of things. He's like uh, questioning, like, "Are you sure that?" He's like, he actually makes Sam think that, like, you know, she may have, she may, Carly may have the right idea, but the thing is, she's now she's a supremacist, and once you go a certain distance, she ain't coming. She's not coming back from that distance. So I, I like how it's Zima who like puts things into perspective for, for some of the characters too, which is, which is funny because of who, how he was. I mean, I, I liked him. I liked him in civil war, but like, I liked him a lot here just because we got to see him shine more, if that makes any sense too. Yeah, absolutely. Just because of how, again, because he just puts the charm on and also seeing Daniel Brohl dance, (laughs) Yes, exactly. <laughs> do we just want to talk? Do we just want to talk about him dancing and just like look at him? We're, put on we're those going dance to do moves. a thirty-minute discussion on every individual <laughs> frame. Yeah, just look at how the way he just like he does the clapping motion, and he just like he does the twist. Now notice, the now notice how the lighting crew lit up this scene right here. You know, now look at look at this frame shot. You'll uh, notice how he's set, how he's center, fr- how he's center frame. However, it's just upper torso, so that you get those upper. <laughs> The slick upper body motions. <laughs> oh man! Actually, one of my favorite Zemo moments is actually his final meeting with uh, Bucky. So, like, he he's ready to he he's kind of right. He's he's ready basically to be with his family again, and Sam kind of denies him that by pulling the trigger, and you just hear a click, 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 and he just drops. You the mean bullets. Bucky? Did I say Sam? I yeah. Say, yeah, I meant to say Bucky. Fuck, Eric. Nice job. <laughs> so he he drops the bullets from his hands. And so and so Sam is... No, Sam. Fucking Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so Bucky drops the bullets and he's like, the Dora Milaje will take care of you. And by the way, I was surprised that... I thought the Dora Milaje were going to take him to Wakanda to answer for his crimes. But instead, yeah, they like, sa- yeah, same take thing, him to the rest just... instead. It's like, okay. <laughs> Uh, when you would think that they would take him to the raft actually to be honest but actually so my friend josh who has appeared on this show before uh talking about tremors and power rangers uh he had a he had a theory that like the end credits scene of uh the show was going to be instead of sharon carter getting pardoned by the cia he's hoping that like maybe general ross would come to zemo in the raft and he'd help him you have them discuss about forming the Thunderbolts. Oh which is, my god! Oh, my heart would melt. That would have been a great moment, but honestly, I I'm sure it will happen at some point. Just like maybe, hmm. I think maybe in in the fourth Captain America movie because that has been announced. 
yeah. uh, that is going to happen. So I probably see that more happening maybe then. Maybe even uh, Young Avengers. I'm not sure. but um, Maybe but yeah. uh, maybe Bruce Banner's Hulk uh, retransforms into our good old school uh, Hulk. And uh, General Ross is a bit uncomfortable with that. Maybe he <laughs> uh, wants to put a team together to stop that. Maybe he wants to. Maybe he wants to get a little fiery and uh, turn his yeah. skin red. <laughs> yeah, get a get a little uh, sunburn. Uh, yeah. By the way, how do you feel about <laughs> She Hulk uh, coming as a result? Um, I mean, I don't know. I haven't. I mean, I haven't seen it in action. I I don't really have many opinions on most of the Marvel shows right now, except for Moon Knight. I'm so happy that's happening. We'll get to we'll get to we'll get to that in in a moment. But um... but like otherwise, like I mean cool i don't really know the premise of the show um i hope it's good i'll get we'll get yeah. to we'll get into more than that later but i just felt i wanted to i wanted to talk about isaiah bradley and just how fuck yes i yes. like so this is where the show really gets real in terms of and this is where this is where a lot of a lot of people start accusing I really hate to go here, but it's kind of on. We kind of have to discuss this because it's part of this. But this is where a lot of people say Marvel starts going woke, if that makes any sense, because of. So I, I there's a lot. If you know pop, entertainment and pop culture day, a lot of political as it's well as as Reese pointed it out to me um, before we actually started doing this, like, you know, movies and entertainment, video games and television shows, they've all even music too, everything gets political depending on how you approach it. But like here, they kind of, I wouldn't say they drop the ball and like really go for it, but they definitely don't pull their punches on it either. So they really, they really show, they really demonstrate this through Isaiah Bradley and also Sam too, because come on, come on, a black man carrying the stars and stripes. That's definitely going to rub people the wrong way. But, um, I thought I I was surprised that they brought Isaiah Bradley and I actually remember when I was watching Isaiah Bradley being introduced I'm like oh yeah that's right there was a black Captain America at one point and then um, I was I was very surprised to see that they did it. I'm like and I'm I'm glad they did it too I'm like I, this is an interesting twist um, in terms of like showing more of Cap's legacy and so so because of because it's chris evans and steve rogers or just because it's steve rogers and steve rogers looks like the typical average american um because of isaiah bradley and because he's black um apparently it's apparently no one wants a black wants a black man because america's too fucking racist i guess and that's another thing that the show has been accused of is it's real villain is not the flag smashers or John Walker. It's racism. And apparently a lot of people are upset that like modern day issues like this are being tackled. They just want a uh, giant. They just want super villains getting defeated and stuff and that, and they want it to be more comic accurate. But then again, Marvel, then again, Marvel and DC have both actually in their not just in their movies, but in their comics have also really gone political to just a piece of crowd but look i am not the best person to be talking about politics i don't really i have my i certainly have my own political views but for me what's always been more important has been talking about nerd shit and that's what this is but i i'm just i'm just rambling on this point why don't you 
how do you so how do you feel about Isaiah overall, Greece? So um yeah, so I'll just come right out of the gate. I think Isaiah is my favorite character in this show. I thought his whole um I don't know who the actor who played do you because I do, I, you do a lot of research. Is. So this is Carl Lumbly. Carl would Lumbly. You, do you would um, you like to know who he voiced in Justice League, the animated series? Was he was he Martian Manhunter? He was Martian Manhunter. He was Mar- oh my gosh! By no the way, I by so the much. way, I w- I remember watching this sometime after the Snyder cut, um, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> we went we went from seeing uh, it was great to see Martian Manhunter finally show up in the DCEU, even though he probably you're right, he probably should not have been in that movie, but it was nice to see Carl Lumley show up for. <laughs> for once and play a different comic book character for a change. So maybe he <laughs> shapeshifted into a uh, super soldier in the Marvel universe. <laughs> so, but I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say yeah. he's my favorite character, but he's definitely one of the most important characters because he really, he really shows the dark side of prejudice in terms mm-hmm. of governments and whatnot and how like, apparently like the government likes to it's that old classic trope of the u.s likes to keep the man down or the man likes to keep the black man down if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. well i mean i mean there's so many different layers to it like going off of carl's performance first of all and also and also not just his performance but also like the makeup artist like the makeup artist did such a fantastic job along with carl's performance because i think he's i think he's even more like like obviously his line delivery is phenomenal, but even you can like when you hear the rage and anger, even in his well, like face. even when he's not speaking, like you just look at his face and yeah, you, you can see the torture and the horrors that he's, and you can tell that he is still living through it to this day, even though like you know, even though he's escaped prison like seemingly decades ago, like he still mentally lives through that every day, and it shapes him and and that his whole his whole arc is especially um it especially resonates because it really it does get not just in you know not just into like oh racism but like his arc in 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 particular has a lot of parallels with the tuskegee experiments i don't know if you know oh yeah i do remember the tuskegee experiments yeah i don't remember when in american history they happened but essentially black people were experimented on they're essentially like human guinea pigs and it was yeah, like, yeah this, is, this is already like something that's that the geneva convention would be like are you fucking kidding me yeah for those yeah for those who don't know basically the tuskegee experiments were basically so a bunch so basically groups of black people were, were rounded up for you know and they were told that hey we're we're testing out different um you know we're testing out uh, vaccinations against different viruses i can't remember if it was like flu viruses or if it was like polio or like i can't remember what the exact was but that's what they were told what in reality they were actually being injected with various forms of syphilis and they were basically just like sentenced to death right there and that's and it's and it's clearly that's clearly the inspiration for isaiah's story where he and you know various other people of color enlisted are injected with various super soldier serums and they're essentially just yeah. there to be huh. they're just they're just test subjects to see like hey which one of you guys survive so that we can find the super soldier serum that doesn't kill someone and give it to the person that we really want to be captain america and then and then and then it and then it go, piles on top when you know you know he rescues his squad um 
in yeah. the POW camp when they were originally going and instead to of it. being instead of being hailed as a hero, they imprison him for thirty years and experiment experiment on him even further, and they make his wife believe that he died, and he, they never his letters are never sent to her because they basically tell her, yeah, he's fucking dead. So it's already there. That's already just one massive hate crime and also just one massive it's it's another long line in the list of injustices done to black people in america mm-hmm. fictionally and in reality too it's it's pretty fucking crazy to say the least and you would you would think we live i mean like we live in an era of you think we live in an era where like people are more accepting but um as as Recent events have unfolded in the last four, five, six, seven years or so. It's complicated. It's very complicated. And like, I mean, and I mean, it's not just here in the U.S. It's like all over the place. It's just here in the U.S. Here in the U.S., we've taken something like making a mask, wearing a mask to help protect yourself against uh, a virus that is that is still relatively new against humanity and make it political. That's pretty fucking atrocious because Mm -hmm. in other countries wearing a mask is almost i mean japan alone their case numbers are low because everyone in japan wears a mask like everywhere in the everyone the country everyone in the world understands the necessity of what's going on here in america i'm gonna be honest so here's one of my few well i I think I think most I think most people would agree with us. The problem is that there's, and I know we're going kind of off topic from the show, but I think the problem is that there's, while it's not the majority, I think a substantial group of people that do subscribe to that are enough to where it does make such a drastic difference. Like, well, the know, other, most people are sorry. Go on. Well, I'm sorry. I I don't mean to cut you off, but I would just say one of the other issues too is unfortunately, what makes America great is also one of its biggest problems, and I think it's individuality. And don't get me wrong, it's individual individualism is great, but sometimes you need to sacrifice that in order to um, in order for the greater good. And so we could have we could have totally um, done we totally could have we totally could have handled this whole situation a lot better. But unfortunately, our individualism just got in the way like our own greed, our own beliefs or whatnot. Like if we had all just come together collectively and agreed that, Hey, we need to like come together as a people, as a nation and figure this out instead of like, Oh no, I think this is more important. My rights are too more important than this. I'm like, <sighs> sorry, that's my rant there, but go ahead. Yeah. We, we, we can talk about it off, off podcast. Cause I, th- I think I pretty much agree with you there, but yeah. Hmm. But, but yeah, I think, but yeah, I think that's what resonated with me so much with Isaiah is because like in a in a bubble, his story is already compelling as it is, but it also like really it also really strikes out because I mean Isaiah isn't I mean he is a fictional character, but like there throughout history, you know, throughout America's history, there have been other Isaiahs that were in his position. Uh-huh. And you know, being able being able to tie that into a goofy ass show about aliens invading earth and superpowers and mech suits and finding a way to actually tie it in and make that irrelevant, I think is 
you know, again, hats off to the writing team for being able to do something like that. To at least pull it off in a way. I mean, I know a lot of people have been mixed on the show overall, but I, I honestly think that the way they've handled, the way it's all been handled, it's subtle enough, but still gets the point across without like it, going too and it's not even, crazy. Yeah, and it's, it's not even the first time that Marvel has, you know, tackled issues facing the black community. I mean, look at Killmonger and Black Panther. His entire oh, yeah. arc... You know, his entire arc is literally about black liberation. Mm. The other, I guess the other thing too, since we're going on that point, it's just, I mean, black. So I think black Panther is a great movie for, I, I would not just for, not just for black culture, but just for pop culture in general. Cause mm-hmm. we get to see an all black cast, like um, um, a, a black man in the, in the main lead may chadwick boseman rest in peace um indeed what a phenomenal human being he was um and then he and then also just how just how much of an impact he had towards being being a superhero because it shows that like because he's a perfect role model not just for not just for not just for black kids but for any kid for that matter because he he showed that like I wouldn't just say not just for black kids, but for all minorities, because it shows that even, you know, like even minorities can rise above their quote unquote white counterparts and be just as like, like up there with them or even better, if that makes any sense too. But Mm -hmm. I think what, I think what people were missing is that like, you know, that was just, that was just um, black culture in general. What about black culture in America? And that's what really, where Falcon and Winter Soldier tackles that because again, Sam, and and this is and Sam, Sam is a is a black man chosen by Steve Rogers to be the new Captain America, and if you know if you know Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers doesn't give a remote shit about color. All he sees are the qualities of a good man which is what Erskine told him as to there's a reason he can hold a uh, Thor's yeah. hammer. Yeah. There's a reason he can hold for Thor's hammer, not because he is a God, but just because he's a good man. He is worthy of holding. He, he is of a good valor. He is of, of good heart and soul and whatnot. Sam basically embodies all of, all of the good qualities that Sam sees, uh, stands for all the injustices that, Isaiah Bradley had to go through and basically uh, represents everything that the U S government is trying to replace with, within John Walker. Like they, he, he is, he was not, he was not made by the U S government. He was made by a, by a man who believed in the good in him. If that, (laughs) I say, if that makes sense too often, but, (laughs) but the, but the point is, is Steve saw a good man in him. He saw, Yes, he knew that Sam was pretty badass in his own right, but he, in, to him, being a good person was more important. And I think the best example of Sam being the perfect choice of Captain America was not when he finally became Captain America. It was when he made that monologue towards the GRC and the, mm-hmm. sen- and the senators, all, or the, the GRC council and that senator all together. Um <laughs> And I know, and I know you thought the finale was good, but um, Reese, what was one of your biggest uh, criticisms that you wanted to mention about Sam in the finale? 
Well, it's not really Sam. It's not Sam itself, but um, I, I'm not a fan of the costume. I think it looks kind of goofy. <laughs> it's specifically, it's specifically the headpiece. I just, I don't like that headpiece at all. Like the rest of the costume is fine, but just the way it like the way like the headpiece like cuts off right at the hairline. It mm. just, I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't like it. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a minor nitpick. I I can understand where you where you see with that. Um, I mean, look, I don't mind costumes that resemble like movie costumes that resemble old classic comic book costumes, but there's a reason why something like Spider Man's costume translates really well on the on screen, and there's a re- there's a reason why Ben Affleck can pull off the classic look better than anyone else. Um, in terms of the Batman costume, but um, I would have liked to at least seen a, I would have liked to have seen something that looked similar to what Sam usually wears in general, but um, doesn't look as close as his comic book costume in general. But I do think it's a good suit, except for mm-hmm. I do agree though that that's kind of awkward. That little like white those white sides on his on his headpiece is like I'm just like interesting choice that they went there but um aside from a few inconsistencies because even though sam says stop calling them terrorists i'm like well sam unfortunately they are terrorists what the hell do you mm-hmm, think they were yeah <laughs> um I, I honestly my favorite moment in the entire finale was his monologue like it's that is prime that is the if you want to if you want to know why steve chose sam you just listen to him give that monologue that is all you need. That is, I think this, example is, I think number this one. is a great jumping off point actually, because I, I think one, I think it, it's a good monologue. So I think that's just a testament to like, you know, how good the writing is in the show for the most part, there are some minor criticisms I have, but again, they're mostly just small nitpicks, but one of the more major criticisms I have of the show is honestly, I thought the action, it's not, it's not that the action is weak. It's that I'll, I'll the action is shot really poorly throughout the entire show. I actually do agree with you on that. With the yeah. exception, I, I think the first scene where, you know, Sam is skydiving and, you know, um, you know, rescuing that one guy. I think, I think that scene is shot. All right, that was but, pretty awesome. But, um, but yeah, the actual like hand to hand fight scenes, I thought were just really poorly shot. There's a lot of quick cuts. I was actually, I was taking notes on, um, it was during, um, it was a uh, the George St. Pierre fight. So like so here's So when he fights when he fights Betrock or Betrock. Yeah, 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 in the final episode. So um So yeah, usually when and then this is what's so frustrating about it because usually when when there's a lot of quick cuts and shaky cam and bites fight scenes, it's used to mask poor choreography, but I know that the, but I like I know that the show that the choreography used in the show was good choreography i mean again it's just poorly it's just poorly captured and edited yeah exactly and so and george st pierre is like the real fucking deal like he can he can throw a he can do a crescent kick he can do a superman and we've already seen him in a film like in winter soldier like and that's one of the best fights in the mcu yeah like he kicks he he kicks ass he looks good fight like he also, you can fighting. also the the other reason why that fight works too is because you can hide Steve, you can hide Chris Evans's stunt double by with him wearing that helmet. Mm-hmm. Although Steve also, although from what I do understand, according to a stuntman who worked on the movies, um, 
Chris Evans does come from a dance background, so he can do the choreography. Also, he is athletic enough to do it. It's just, you know, for the more elaborate parts of the fights, sometimes it is best to throw in a stuntman. Um, but that's not to say Chris can't pull some physicality yeah. off. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a difference between the uh, being able to do physicality and like actually doing stunt work, which that's like, mm. I mean, it's like, it's like, like training to play professional football and then mm. going into um, a 100 meter dash. Like, like do you think, yeah, Chris you're Evan, physical, like, you think Chris like you're Evans, physically fit. So like you think, you're physically fit. So you would be able to do the hundred meter dash but because you weren't training specifically for it. You're not <laughs> going to be as good as someone who's like dedicated their entire life. Oh, to like, yeah. Doing that. I that was going to say like, you think Chris Evans can do that flip, that jumping flip kick onto George St. Pierre in that one, in that fight in the, in the winter soldier. I'm like, I don't fucking think so. I know he comes from a dance background. I'm like, I don't think he can do a butterfly twist kick. I think Tom Holland could do it. Well, Tom Holland, Tom Holland still has stunt doubles. (laughs) So side note, I love how Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan will not stop fucking trashing Tom Holland. It's in good fun, but like that's their shtick. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But no, yeah, like, going back to the show, like, again, it's really frustrating because it's not like a film like TAC 3N mm. where, you know, where, you know, oh, Liam Neeson doesn't look good climbing up this fence, so we have to do 12 different jump cuts of him climbing <laughs> the fence. <laughs> you know, it took a moment. So that it, it, took, so that it looks like he's climbing up it real fast. It's like, it took no, a it's moment. Like good... <laughs> it took a moment to understand what you meant by TAC 3N because I remember you said that in the Snyder cut episode, I'm like, what's tack three. And then when you finally mention it here and you mentioned Liam, he said, Oh, you mean taking three, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, speaking yeah, of tack, speaking of tack three N terminator, Genesis and fant four stick. <laughs> speaking of action, do you know who wrote some of these episodes? Derek Kolstad. Do you know what Derek Kolstad is known for creating? No, he, cro- he's one of the, he is the creator he is the reason why Keanu Reeves is now one of the biggest action stars in the world. He wrote a little screenplay called John Wick. Okay, so this film so this film has no excuse to be poorly shot like this. Clearly the choreography is there. Like I can tell, like I can tell that there's kineticism between, you know, between these hits. But mm. I can barely see what's going on and it's really frustrating. And the it's fact like, is, you know, pull the camera back, mm-hmm. leave it there, you know, leave it there for just a half, you know, even a half second more would do, would be so much, would just bring so much more brutality out of these, you know, out of these fights. And it's just, it's really disappointing. You know, what's funny. Feels- do you know what two Marvel, do you know what two MCU TV shows did fight scenes, right? And captured it properly. Fucking Daredevil, Daredevil and Punisher. And Punisher. Yes. Yep. I would say I would say in season two of Iron Fist it got better. And then even in Defenders, we forgot we failed to mention Defenders, the show that the, the Avengers the episode, Avengers. the episode where they all come together and uh, run the jewel starts playing. Like that, <laughs> that, that was great. fight scene is a good ass fight. That was great. But but yeah, I mean, you look at something like the hallway fight in Yeah. In Daredevil season one, Daredevil comes up. I mean, obviously, it's a good, it's reminiscent of the raid. So he comes up. I mean, he, it pretty he walks much, in the frame. It pretty much popularized like mm-hmm. one take fight scenes. Like everyone was like trying to do, and everyone was trying to do a hallway fight. Yeah. Well, what started it was Old Boy, the original Old Boy movie. Um, because that's if you watch that fight, it it really shows, um, how you. Because it's that fight and the Daredevil hallway fight that show that, yes, your character may be pretty badass, but you're also you're a good hero is also human. 
like he gets tired like he like he has this moment he gets worn down a bit and then like he he, he finds another instance of energy and he gets back up and he starts beating the fuck out of fighter a criminal's gun like for like this is why i like the daredevil fights a lot because like it shows that sure daredevil can do all those flippy moves and like knows knows how to do um flip and, but you know, he only has so much he can do roundhouse kicks as, even and, as fit as he is yeah he's as fit as he is but he can only do so much with so much energy and that's what made that really work in the end so um and that is that is excellent choreography and that is excellent storytelling so to see it not be done correctly in a hot in like a high budget mcu tv show for disney plus it's pretty frustrating yeah, and especially because like the special effects are all there. I mean, it bas- it's basically like it's be- the special effects is like no different than like watching you know an actual MCU film in theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're like there's shots where like you can tell like okay, clearly there's no way that that you know like the raft for instance. Like there's no way that that structure exists in real life. But I mean, it looks it looks real. fucking like, cool. That's, like that's damn good CGI uh, ocean mm-hmm. water right there. That's a damn good CGI structure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the yeah, just yeah, I don't know what was going on with the um the photography during the fight scenes in particular, but yeah, that was that is definitely I think the biggest disappointment of the show up there with um up there with, you know, the flag smashes and kind of how poorly I think that whole thing was handled. But I can also again understand that because a lot of that material seems to have been cut, but mm-hmm. obviously we don't know exactly what was cut, so it's hard to fully critique that it could have been it could have been like before it was cut the flag smashers arc was still very underwhelming but i don't know yeah it, it's it, it gets muffled in conversation i guess i mean, muffled in translation but it, it's just again i i one of the reasons why um one of the reasons why winter soldier is so great is also because of its action too i mean you i mean aside from aside from Batroc the Leaper trying to kick Captain America's ass. There's that epic elevator fight. I mean, of course, before we start, before we get started, <laughs> does anyone want to get off? And like he just and like even then, like he he's struggling. So like he's able, but he's still able to kick their asses. So it's a great it's a great action sequence. It's a all great of, fight. All sequence. of the one v one fights with Steve versus um versus Bucky are also just phenomenally. I'm not gonna lie. Too. Like I have a little bit of trouble. I also kind of. I mean, like I love the fights. I love that first fight between the two of them like um after natasha gets shot and so like by the way you can see the fear in her eyes <laughs> before mm-hmm. before steve shows up but like well i mean she's I been shot of, by him before right i have a little problem with how it's kind of captured that fight but we can if we ever do if we ever talk about uh the winter soldier at some point i would love to elaborate more on that but i do have yeah, a little bit frame, of the problem. frame rate i think I, I'm not the frame rate is it's not 24 frames per second. I can't tell if it's higher or lower. I'd have well, to it's not just that. I feel like they kind of cut from it too much. They kind of cut. They kind of like they kind of do too many close ups and uh, uh, and like shaky cam uh, shaky cam shots in between. In I'd have between to watch cuts. it again. I don't because I, I definitely I definitely know there's that there's shaky cam in there. But I I remember being able to like. I remember being orientated in the fight and still being able to see what was. I mean, going I can on. still make out what's going on too, but like, 
I don't know. Whereas in Falcon Winter Soldier, it's just like I what the I fuck see is the, going on? What the like fuck I is see, going on? Like I can see the kineticism, but I can't see the. But it's hard. The the starting and ending points of each hit gets blurry, mm-hmm. and because there's so much complex move, movements going on, it's not like you're just paying attention to like one punch. There's like you know you know feet are moving. You know, bot. You know, there's body changes. There's stance shiftings and stuff like that. You know, I mean, you know, in the um, episode five i think it yeah episode five you know it's not just a 1v1 fight you have walker bucky and sam all fighting together and so that adds even more to the equation the other thing too about modern day i don't know if uh, this is an observation that i've seen um the the scene uh the crew at corridor digital make and some of the oh i love corridor digital have you seen have so uh, there's something that nico pointed out that like a lot of modern fight scenes are shot in like dark places. Um, and that yeah, yeah. I they, remember that. And like, it's kind of hard to make out what's going on. Whereas you watch the kitchen fight in the raid two, Yeah. And that shot completely and, lit. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely lit. And you can actually see what the hell is going on too. You can see the raw violence be- uh, and the blows between eco away and um the and the other guy god i forgot what his name is too but like uh yeah that fight is so visceral and uh brutal that's one of the best that's one of the best fight scenes like ever you know put if in i if we time. ever talk about the raid i'm bringing you back on for the for the show for the show i i think i feel like the three of us would have to talk we about because i i introduced to. i introduced jeff to both of the raid films and uh i made i made him fall in love with uh i was gonna films. say as he as he should did he did you guys watch the show to, did you guys watch the movies together because i know I, i've back. seen the movies I've back seen the movies. to back dude. oh man it was it was hilarious because originally because originally we were just going to watch the the first film because um he had work because he had work the next day and i think he only got like four or five hours of sleep that night but after the first but after the first film he was like man i know i got work tomorrow but you're telling me that there's a you're telling me that there's a second film and i'm like not only is there a second film but it's like it's 10 10 times times better as amazing as this first one is the second one is like 10 times better but it's also longer than the first side note side note um (laughs) i know we're off topic but like uh joe taslam who's who's one of the stars in the first raid was fucking great as sub-zero in the new mortal kombat movie Oh, nice. I, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know he played him. That's him. Really That's him. Right. To it now. That's him. All right. But but yeah, um, it, it really goes. I I'm not sure if there is a favorite fight scene. I like, although I will say for as much as I could see in the fight between Sam and Batrock in the finale, like those moments were great. Like I, I was kind of thrown off by the the red lighting in that fight. Uh, just yeah, I didn't I didn't like the I thought the warehouse a fight between Walker and uh, Sam Bucky. I thought, I, I know that was a bit darker than, you know, what you'd expect in the raid, but it wasn't so much the lighting where I could, I could still like see everything fine. It was mostly just that camera work, but I, I agree with you. The red lighting in the, in the Batrock fight was just really distracting. I also was like kind of thrown off by some of the fights and by some of the uh, final fights in the finale too, where like when John finally, um, when John like shows up, he's got a new shield that he built and he's trying to fight the flag smashers. It was kind of hard to tell what was going on because it, yeah. it's in a, it's in a dark city street. Also, I, I will say um, this is the moment where John was redeemed. I think for a lot of people, and this is why John, John Walker is one of the best MCU characters because instead of going after Carly, he tries to save the truck 
I wouldn't I wouldn't say redeemed, but I'd say that he's his path is not certain at this point, which I really like. I think that makes him a much more interesting mm-hmm. character because it does lead to a nice. He's very flexible. He can easily because he can easily shift from one path to the other mm-hmm. in like a heartbeat. And the show really the show always makes sure that there's a good reason for that, mm-hmm. at least in his head. Like like you're not necessarily supposed to agree with him but you can see you can at least you can understand see, where you he's see going. the you see the journey in his mind of how mm-hmm. he gets to point a to point b which i really like you know who's sto- you know who really didn't get a lot of focus in the show and his name is, and he's one of the top build stars in the show we get to see a lot of sam but you really don't get to see a lot of bucky which is really kind of disappointing because the show is about it's not just about sam trying to live up to Steve's legacy. It's also about Sam trying to, uh, you know, redeem himself and trying to, you mean Bucky? Yeah. Yeah. I said, I said (laughs) Sam and then Bucky, but, but my point is like, you're trying to see Bucky trying to redeem himself for his actions as the winter soldier, but he really doesn't have enough to do if that makes, if it makes any sense. I'm, I don't. I don't know. I I enjoyed Bucky's arc in in the series. I, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, he. I, I mean, he I has think... an arc, but it's just it's overshadowed by Sam's. I I don't. I don't know. I don't. I I don't know. I I was thoroughly. I thought. I thought his arc was very compelling. I I don't know if I agree with that because like I I I like the setup because it makes sense. You know, Bucky, his entire well conscious life, at least obviously when he was the Winter Soldier, that. You know, that wasn't him. That was, he was brainwashed, but his entire conscious life, he has relied on Steve, whether it was in the forties or whether it's during his rehabilitation process, like his, his entire life is like him, him and Steve. It's not, not necessarily like he wants to be Steve, but it was him and Steve influencing each other. And now Bucky has to live in a world without Steve still hmm. trying to like figure out his place in life also and i think it and i don't know i th- i thought that that whole arc and the way it was re- resolved i thought it was very satisfying personally mm-hmm. also i thought it was also I, it was nice to see bucky light lighten up quite a bit especially like remember how um remember when the door melage and try to capture zemo and they fight john and he's just like you're doing good john <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and by the way, by the way, so even though the Dora, even though the Dora Milaje, uh have rec- have uh, basically com- um, cleansed him of his programming, they they still don't trust him apparently to the point where like she do- where uh, I think it's Io is her name. It's the same Dora Milaje that we first saw in um, Civil War. She does some uh, she does some like Pai Mei moves and <laughs> basically dis- basically. Uh, pops his arm off which i'm like what <laughs> i think people are really overthinking that scene like people like like people are going like oh they don't i'm like i don't think it's a matter of them not trusting him. I think it's, it's a more a matter of a matter of, it's more of a matter of it, like just it's wakandan case. it's wakandan it's wakandan technology and of they course they that, have a fail they know that for technology everything. yeah they it's wakandan technology they know that technology inside and out so i would assume that there would be a safeguard to take the arm off in case it needs to be repairs in case you need to clean it. So obviously, I mean, since she's so familiar with that and in that moment, she needed a way to disarm Bucky to accomplish her mission. So she 
it was probably just an on-the-fly decision. Like, oh yeah, I can just remove your arm. I know how to do that. I don't think it was a matter of like, we need this safeguard in case he goes bad because he's not... Sh- I, I, I think people are like really overthinking I that. will say though, it's nice to see character smaller time characters as well get more of a, of a spotlight as well because... I don't think Io would have gotten that much of the spotlight in the primary MCU movies. Mm-hmm, so sure. it was, it's, and it's, you know, it's the same thing with uh, Darcy and Jimmy Woo and Monica Rambo. Uh, like they get more of a chance to shine in the new, se- in WandaVision. So like, it's nice to see them see Marvel do the same thing here in Falcon and Winter Soldier as well. So I'm, I'm glad that they're giving like smaller time characters a chance to shine too. Well, to be fair, at least regarding Monica, I feel like they're setting her up to have a bigger arc in some of the movies. Not as a standalone, but like as like kind of like a guest character in like someone else's film. Well, I, I mean, like. she's supposed to come back for Captain Marvel too, if if I recall. Uh, I don't know much about that. That wouldn't. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. That would make sense since mm-hmm. I mean she has a lot of Captain Marvel ties, literally related to uh, one of the um, characters in that film. But yeah. yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's nice to, but yeah, it's nice to see Marvel give a shine to smaller time characters because I don't think, I don't think um, someone like, well, it's kind of hard to say, um, hmm. but, but yeah, overall, I'm I'm glad that they're doing that because I like I like it when like characters who didn't get much of the spotlight in main installments are given the shine here agreed we need more small time characters mole man reveal when (laughs) so overall um i think that falcon the winners falcon and the winter soldier has a lot to offer i know a lot of people will accuse this show of a lot of being way too political maybe way too woke or whatnot but um i like how i like how the show definitely um tries to tackle modern modern like issues in the Marvel way if if that makes any sense god damn it Eric <laughs> um but another thing you know what? we There's gotta have the, we gotta have the if it, if that makes sense jar and if that makes sense that, there does time. that make sense I'm just reminded of my old professor from C's, from Cal State Northridge <laughs> he's like does that make sense does that make sense does that make sense <laughs> Actually, there is one thing I wanted to point out um, too. Is so Henry Jackman. He he has been the composer of the Captain America movies since Winter Soldier, and I'm like, I like that he brought back certain cues um, back from previous MCU films because I know he didn't do the music for Black Panther, but it was nice to hear Wakanda music <laughs> um, during mm-hmm. the Wakanda flashback. And I loved in the first episode when they show the flashback of Winter Soldier, he brings back that classic. <laughs> you're the more you're the music guy you can you probably have more to say about that well my well my favorite of the cues that he, that he brought back was um that winter soldier drone where it's just the and then you like and then you hear those like screams in the background yeah, like, yeah, get yeah. louder and louder I, I guess you could call that his theme but it's really mm-hmm. more of a drone but yeah i was so happy to hear to hear that brought back like when when Bucky really starts to get into his brutal, el- br- brutal element, there's also a little bit of that during the flashback sequence, like you mentioned. And oh, I was I I loved hearing that. Mm-hmm. So overall, it, I mean, how do you feel about the sh- so how do you feel about the show in general? And do you think a season two is going to happen? I feel like a season two is is um 
I mean, depending depending on where Captain America four takes place, um, I I feel like unlike unlike WandaVision, I don't think we're gonna get a season two of WandaVision because that seems well, to WandaVision much was meant to be a up. miniseries, yeah. But yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I feel like this is something that you could continue on. I but like I said, it depends depends on where Captain America four ends off. They could take the elements from this show and just tie up all those loose ends. But maybe um, maybe they could get a season two that leaves off where Captain America 4 ends. And it probably ends won't up. even be called Falcon and Winter Soldier at this point. It will be called Captain America it, and the Winter Soldier. It, I, I think that's pretty much a guaranteed if the credit sequence has anything to say. Although, about I think it, although I think a lot of people are saying that Bucky's no longer the Winter Soldier. So they're saying it should be called Captain America and the White Wolf. Ooh, I like that. Maybe maybe that could be um maybe that could be Bucky's journey in uh, in season 2. That'd be uh, that'd be interesting to see. Um you know as one you know as one thing I meant I forgot to mention too. So since Marvel since Disney bought 21st Century Fox, so now we have access to all the X-Men and Fantastic 4 uh characters and their rights and everything. It was nice to see the first instance of this show up, and that's the city of Madripoor, which is te- which is supposed to be somewhere in, I think, in Southeast Asia or whatnot. But um, I liked how the- I liked how they portray Madripoor as this like it's almost like a modern day uh, Tatooine, almost a modern day Mos Eisley. <laughs> it's full of scum and villainy, and it totally makes fucking sense. I'm like, this is fucking great. I mean, it makes sense for Sharon. The scene, Sharon the scene where uh, the scene where uh, Sam has to do the snake shot, I was busting <laughs> up. To... That is <laughs> no. Well, you the, know what's so the great way about that it? whole scene escalates is so good. Well, you know what's so great about it is uh, Sharon. No, uh, no, Sam is wearing that funky ass outfit, and he just looks like a reject out of the seventies. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, dude. Oh, another <laughs> another thing I should probably bring up too. Um, I love when uh, in episode five, when Sam returns back to Louisiana and he's back with his family and then Bucky shows up. I love how Sam is instantly trying to hit. I don't think he's in, he's intentionally hitting intentionally trying to hit on his sister, but I love how Sam is like, don't hit on my sister. And I Buc- love how she's Buc- like, Bucky is definitely, Bucky is definitely flirting with his sister. Let's, let's be real. Let's I definitely, there's something I noticed and I don't know if, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, but like, you know how she's like, Sarah, she, she, she's like, I'm Sarah, by the way. And Bucky's like, Sarah, huh? And it reminded me of that moment in civil war who, where he tells Steve, like your mom's name was Sarah used to put uh, newspapers in your shoes to be taller. I'm like, Oh, Oh, I never even noticed that. That, that was probably an intentional callback. I wonder. I don't know if it was an intentional callback, but it was definitely a nice. Uh, it's like, huh? So I guess Sarah, Sam has. No, God damn it! I did it again. <laughs> Bucky has a thing for Sarah's. I just thought I'd point that out, but okay. <laughs> My God, I've stumbled so much, quite a bit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I guess going off that, since we're talking about dialogue, the final criticism. This is more of a minor nitpick. Is some of the line deliveries, specifically some of the ones for comedic effect i don't think quite land every time um i i specifically wrote these these two down because they stood out to me the most uh in episode uh in episode three when uh sharon bucky and sam are breaking out of that um container facility 
there are you know they're arguing about going right or left and then sam like screams it's what they do in the action movies and it's i hate that line so much (laughs) it's such a it's such a stupid out of character line that's clearly just there it's gonna to go this is funny right this is a funny line we're and it's i don't know it just falls flat because one set because first of all sam has military training like he like he should know he should know know professional training not to do it in action not that you wouldn't this isn't you don't base shit off action movies you have military training even beyond that even if you didn't have a military training that's just a dumb thing to say in general everyone knows that you don't really do any sort of tactical maneuvers based on what you saw in a film i just i and i don't believe that sam would stoop that low either it just it felt like a weird out of character moment and so you might as well you might as well hear sam go i'm too whole for this shit <laughs> yeah well while staring directly at the camera right <laughs> <laughs> uh. and, then, and then there was an and then there was another line that was um in the final episode that was somewhat of a callback to a line in the first episode where sam and torres so torres and sam are talking about steve and torres is like hey i know there's some crazy people that like think Sam is on the moon, but like is is Sam on the moon? And it, it's an okay line. I it I don't think it's funny, but I don't think it's inoffensively out of character either. But then in episode eight, Sam is rescuing number you know, six. All yeah. the yeah yeah all the um the Secret Service agents and the it's senators like, who are you? and the GRC councils, and he says, "Oh, I'm Captain I'm Captain America." And then he goes, "Well, I thought Captain America was on the moon." And that I like a pretty I actually fucking line, yeah. I facepalmed so hard during that because first, because like first of all, it doesn't even make sense. First of all, it doesn't even the the line itself doesn't even make sense because when they're talking about Captain America being on the moon, they're talking about Steve Rogers. That is clearly not Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that also that's even a make completely sense. different fucking outfit too. So it doesn't well. So it doesn't even make sense. Second of all, bro, you're a Secret Service agent. You would know if Steve Rogers was on the moon or not. <laughs> Like, are you serious? So also, I, so yeah. Also, side note: since you since we mentioned that the Wakandans made uh, Bucky's vibranium arm, and since they also made uh, they made uh, the shield. Since it, no, since they made the shield, I was going to say since they also made the outfit for Sam. Oh, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure there's a failsafe in there for the wings at some point if he tries to go ape shit on the Wakandans. Probably. Probably. So, Reese, do we have any? Do you have any final thoughts on Falcon and Winter Soldier? Um, yeah. So, out of out of the two Marvel shows that we've talked for way too long about, like I said, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is the quote unquote better one. I think WandaVision has better highs, but I think Falcon and Winter Soldier as a whole is more consistent, and um, it's not perfect. You know, we've talked about Flag Smashers. You know, we've talked, we just talked about some cringy one-liners and we talked quite a bit about the action, which I think is the biggest detriment this show has um, in that the action, specifically the way it's shot is poorly executed. The actual choreography, I think is just fine, but you know, the actual character moments, you know, I think this is, you know, I think this is definitely some of the better of the care of the character studies that we've seen happen so far in the MCU. Um, and as we talk, you know, there's a lot of ties to real world issues. And I was 
surprised at how well they managed to weave it into the story in a way that made narrative sense. And so I thought that was also very satisfying. And yeah, definitely a show that if you haven't, if for some reason you have Disney Plus and you haven't watched it yet, um, yeah, go watch it. It's only six episodes, so it shouldn't take you shouldn't take you too long. They move at a pretty good breeze pace, so yeah, it's a it's a good sit through. I mean, they're all there, so it's it's a good binge. Um, sent before we go though, um, you wanted to briefly mention the future of Phase Four, and I'm like, I'm with you because at this at the time of this recording, uh, I remember you were like, we should talk about the trailer for Shang Chi, and I'm like. Shane Chi does look pretty awesome, but I would also say that, like, I think it's safe to say that you and I should definitely come back and discuss with Loki when it's released. Um, yeah, do you have sure. any? Do you have any? I'm very curious to see the direction they go with Loki because it definitely looks like it's going to be Loki going through different timelines. It um, doesn't look at all what I expected the show to be, so I'm definitely that. The fact that it's not what I expected alone has uh, me intrigued. But yeah, I don't really. At the same time, I don't really know what to expect. It like it's Loki taking on more of an anti-hero role, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Reluctantly, maybe doing the good thing. I only watched I only watched the first trailer. I haven't watched well, the obviously, second or third trailers at well, all. Well, obviously, so. this isn't the same Loki that, that we is saw true. That is from. true. Yeah. This is the Loki we saw at the end of. So he's still technically evil Loki, but now he's because yeah, old Loki, is... old Loki, eventually actually turned good. Um, yeah, but this is this Loki is the before Loki... he went through Loki before he went through the uh, Thor Ragnarok and Infinity War character development for the brief yeah. moments he was in that film. So this is definitely the Loki that we saw from uh, the alternate 2012 timeline in uh, Avengers Endgame. So I'm very curious to see how this is pulled off. Also. I never thought I'd see Owen Wilson in a Marvel project. So, <laughs> I was like, wow, you're wow. Loki. You're Loki, huh? So this is going to be great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned you mentioned Moon Knight earlier, and um, Moon Knight is probably my favorite of the MCU TV shows that's going to happen. Um, for those of you who don't know, essentially Moon Knight is Marvel's answer to Batman, except he's got a bit of a schizophrenia problem and he's also got multiple personalities in him so he's a little cuckoo and unhinged but like so i was very i was very surprised when i heard that oscar isaac was going to play uh mark specter aka the fist of conchu's fist of vengeance um so um but i did i don't know if you saw this reese but have you seen videos online servicing of uh Oscar Isaac training for the role like he's he looks like he's pulling this shit off physically so like I'm here I'm very I mean curious to see how it turns I mean that I mean he's getting paid a lot of money to do this so I wouldn't expect anything less I mean look at a uh, what's his name uh Ethan Hawke uh, Kamali Kamali Nanjiani I I can't remember his Kamel name Na- I'm so sorry Kamel Nanjiani for Eternals Yeah he got fucking shredded, Jesus Christ! Yeah, he did, didn't he? That boy, that that boy got buff. Yeah, he he absolutely certainly did. And you know, as of this recording, the Oscars actually just happened, and so yeah, um, we were talking about this before we um yeah we before recorded. we hopped on and started doing this, and so Chloe Zhao, who directed Nomad, is it Nomadland? That, yeah, Nomadland. That, movie, that one. So she won Best Director, and she's also the director of Eternals. She made that movie, 
and and Nomadland won Best Picture yeah. as well. So I think I think I mentioned I th- she I, didn't she get did she get Best Director as well? I think yeah, she got Best Director and Best Picture. So I mean, it so Marvel probably obviously saw knew what they were doing when they uh, hired her for the project. So I'm curious to see how Eternals come pops up by the way um it technically this technically makes eternals the very first film directed by um, an academy award-winning director so yeah surprisingly so because none of the because none of the other like directors have ever won oscars um damn near close though but and then of course um the the mcu movie i'm i mean obviously we're finally getting black widow finally in july (laughs) Would it be a cruel twist of fate if it if we got super close to it and they're like, "Sorry guys, not happening." <laughs> that movie. Nah, they're, been... they're not going to do it at this point. I, movie... I feel like it's pretty definitive at this point, way, especially now, especially now that like vaccination rates mm-hmm. are going up and you know theaters are slowly starting to reopen. I feel like they're going to commit. By the to way, this release date. Did you know that Julia Louis Dreyfus's character was supposed to actually show up in Black Widow first before showing up here? I did, I didn't even know she was. And I, I'll be honest, I didn't even know she was in Falcon I mean, and Winter we knew Soldier that until she appeared. We heard that an award-winning actor was going to show up. We just didn't know who. And so and then, so when I saw that it was her, I'm like, Elaine! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's Elaine Bennis doing here? <laughs> but uh, of, the, of the Phase 4 films so far, the trailer for Shang-Chi brought a lot of like excitement to me. So- I was I was already intrigued by the premise of Shang Chi because you know martial arts films are like my favorite film genre and so I mean having, absolutely for me having yeah. an having an MC, having an MCU martial arts film like that like right off the bat I'm like I'm I'm sold already like I want to see how this plays out and now after seeing the trailer this looks absolutely insane do you know I'm what I super excited do you know what I said to a buddy of mine I'm like this is what Iron Fist should have been yeah. Yeah, I was I I am a little hesitant on this because, you know, we've fought we've I mean, first of all, I think I think um, it's great that we're finally seeing a male action led star. Uh, I mean, well, that's not to say that's not true. We've seen I've seen some people say that we're finally seeing an action, an Asian lead, an action film. And I'm like, have you not seen a Jackie Chan film or a Bruce Lee film or a Jet Li film? Um, you're kind of ignorant, but I don't know. Some people might complain. I feel like some people might complain that this is going to set back stereotypes and for Asians, because you know this the often the often the stereotype for Asians is that they're either martial artists or they're just highly intelligent people, and so some people might see this as a, as a setback for racial stereotypes for Asians in general, but I, I would like to play contrarian and say that like, this is, this is a comic book movie. Um, what do you expect? Um, mm-hmm. And also I've seen, it, it, at the end of the day, it all depends on how the character is handled. Like they mm-hmm. could handle, they could handle it poorly or they could write a really compelling story for them. Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see how that happens. Also, I will say, uh, Simu Liu who plays Shang-Chi, um, I've seen a I've seen a little sketch video he did of uh, pulling off some martial arts. This guy's a real deal because I think he does have some actual martial arts training, and uh, he was a stuntman, so he's done a bunch of stuff. And also, there's a show on Netflix that he stars in called Kim's Convenience. It's like this Canadian. I've heard of that. It's a it's a show set in Can- in Toronto, Canada, about uh, a Korean uh, Canadian store owner. Um, 
like a convenience owner. And, uh, it's, it's actually, it's actually kind of funny. So like he's in the show, um, as the son of that owner. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy can act. So I'm, I'm very happy to, I'm very curious to see how he turns out of Shang-Chi and by, if, by from what I've seen from the trailer, it looks pretty prom, it looks promising as hell. So I'm very curious it's to see It's definitely... How- definitely out of the films that are coming out this year like that is by far the one i'm most excited about the one i was excited the most this the one i was excited the most for was mortal Kombat, and um i have played i was talking about mcu films right 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 but But in terms of movies overall it was mortal Kombat for me and uh i have quite a lot to say about that one when me and jeff get together and record that one so uh i'll make sure to watch it before i listen in on that episode when it's released (laughs) oh yeah you should watch the movie i was like what are you talking about you can't watch the pot oh i know what you meant (laughs) okay but so yeah that's uh i think that's gonna do it for this one reese i want to thank you so much for coming on again and talking about uh all things nerdy and uh you know i look for it's pretty much guaranteed that you are coming back uh i mean we have to talk about the raid movies you and i have to talk about daredevil and i will finally watch daredevil season three um so uh reese do you have any final parting thoughts for our listeners out there um yeah so i i I guess i may as well plug my shit i do a lot of um i do a lot of music related stuff on my youtube channel you can find me at reese's pieces uh next month is uh may maybe it might already be may May. (laughs) it might already be may by the time you're listening to this (laughs) but uh it's Metroid's 35th anniversary, and for the month of Metroid, uh, I'm teaming up with a few other accounts to do a bunch of Metroid music projects every single day of the month. Uh, it is a lot of work on my end. It's very exhaustive, but it's a lot of fun. And so if you want to hear some new music every single day of the month of May, uh, check out my YouTube channel or check out on my Twitter, because I'll definitely be uh, I'll definitely be What's plugging your, uh, all that Twitter stuff on my Twitter. Uh, you can find me at uh, Duminal Cross, um, Duminal Crossing, but the ad is just Duminal Cross because someone already took Crossing. So <laughs> I was going to say, hey, you know what? It is what it is. It I is was going to say, I, I know that Reese is a giant Metroid fan. I watched Reese do a, a day long Twitch uh, live stream of him <laughs> pulling. What was it? Which Metroid game was this? So, so for my birth, so for my birthday, I was, uh, I was doing an entire. I was doing a bunch of games and I was basically streaming for an entire day while doing shots for donations for my birthday. And one of the games was Metroid Zero Mission, where I did um, a speed run of that game. It was the first time I picked it up since I want to say 2012 or 2013. So I hadn't, so, you know, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't practiced my roots or anything, but I beat the game in about three hours. I got 98% of the items. I want to try that again and go for a sub two hour, 100%. Are you going to get drunk again? Oh, of of course. (laughs) Of course. <laughs> no, it, listen. If I if I was sober, I could easy I could easily go for it. But, but you like, think it's I more want... fun if you do it drunk? Oh, absolutely! It makes it way more entertaining. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, that but yeah, that was definitely the highlight of the stream was definitely the Metroid Zero Mission run. But the whole the whole stream was absolutely fantastic. I I remember I cut I would come back every once in a while to the stream and I'm like, okay, this is. Uh, you can, I'm like Reese is dedicated. <laughs> like, I don't know if I could ever do that, but, um, uh, 
I don't have I don't have that much to offer, but what I can say is uh, be sure to follow the Instagram. Be sure to follow our Instagram page at tnapcast. That's T N A A P C A S T. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. You can also like and comment on the videos there. And give us some suggestions, and if you want to give any feedback as well, um, of course, subscribe to the shows on the show on uh, pot, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other. Uh, what am I talking about? Those are the only platforms we're on right now <laughs> so but um but yeah um reese do you have any final do you have any final thoughts on overall to say to the rest of the world uh not really i already plugged all my stuff so yeah uh thanks for having me on the podcast i always love guest starring on these and talking nerd shit with you and all that and good we stuff. love talking nerd shit with you so from all of us here uh this is eric and jeff's not here so Sorry, guys, but <laughs> Excelsior! Stay shiny, everyone! See you around! <laughs>